My name is Julie Foudy, and I'm a massive deal. <laughs> I'm a massive deal. Oh, goodness. Uh, I'm here with Lynn Olzawi Wowie. Ah, uh, we, if you don't know the, the tune, gotta see Mean Girls on Broadway this week. Oh, what a fun night that was. And incredible. And thanks to the group at Mean Girls because they heard that Brandy, myself, and Christine Lilly were in town and invited us to come with some friends and wait for it. Wait for it. Because I'm a massive deal. We got to meet Tina Faye. Yes, as in the Tina Faye. Hero. Shiro. Brandy might have screamed. We all were like, what? I, we never do that. I, like, I don't fangirl on anyone. I'm not that interested normally. And I was like, oh my god, it's Tina freaking Faye. I screamed. Ah. <sighs> oh. So, um, Tina, of course, wrote Mean Girls, and the movie is fabulous. The play is hysterical. Brandy, it's a musical. Hence sorry. the singing off the top of yeah, the, the episode. And the music, the musical is hysterical. Brandy and I giggled slash snorted <laughs> the entire play. Lil was a little bit further down with her friend, and... <laughs> At one point, Lynn was like, they're for sure going to kick you out of here. Yeah, I was seated next to Julie. And not only were you guys laughing so much, but then you would talk about what was so funny. <laughs> and, oh my God, did you hear that? Like, it got to the point where I was convinced I was for sure waiting for the people in front of us to turn around and just say, can you not? But you wouldn't do that at Mean Girls. That's the beauty of that show. It's the best kind of Broadway. It's not snooty. It's fun. It was was so good. Literally, our friend Rachel from ESPNW, Rachel Epstein, who put on this whole ESPNW summit that we're here in town for, had to come and arrive late. And she said to the usher in the back, should I wait for intermission? When's intermission so I can walk down to my seat? He's like, girl, this is Mean Girls. You just go when you want. Go. You're fine. Just walk in there. So I I think it's... um it needs to be said is that you got this invitation to go. Yes. And in true Julie Foudy fashion, you invited a whole crew to come with you. Mm. I was actually, Stanford friends are in town. Yes. It was funny because I was the first to arrive at the theater. You told me to get there at six 30. And after years of hanging out with you, I get to places early. So I was there at six 25. First one to well, be there. Well done. Leno. And it was really fun to watch the different people show up because all of a sudden I looked up and, oh, it's Christine Lilly. Mm-hmm. And she brought a friend. And then, oh, that's Brandy Chastain getting out of a car and she has two friends. Did I not tell you all these people were coming? No, I had no <laughs> idea who was coming. <laughs> Meanwhile, there's like a, cr- a whole like 15 people that you brought oh, along. So we fun. had no idea either that there was even the slightest possibility. We, were we paid be- for those tickets, by the way. Well, we didn't know... None of us knew ahead of time, except maybe for you, that we were going to have the opportunity to go backstage and meet Tina Fey after the show. And mm-hmm. the whole cast. It was just... Yeah, we met the whole cast and crew. Uh, what about... Was and it... I'm a massive deal. 
And and we have to give a special shout out to Michelle who helped who helped us. She's with the Mean Girls PR group who helped us organize this whole affair because it was so much fun. And I said to Michelle, and I'm going to come tomorrow, and then I'm going to see you the next day, and then I'm going to see you the next day. And you could. You could just yes. go back and back and back. And I didn't tell people that Tina Fey was going to be there because I wasn't quite sure. Mm. And I didn't want to tell my friends and then be like, hey, guess who we're meeting? And then Tina Fey wasn't there. But, of course, she was there, and she was lovely. Oh, God. So lovely. I said, have Jeez. you made any – Cause she, I said, Tina, because she's now Tina. She's my BFF. Tina, have you made any guest – surprise appearances on on the play on the musical and she said no and um she says i I i'm afraid to belt it out i I can't (laughs) i mean they my part sings you know these lengthy songs and uh and i and we all agree that one day if she does that the place will go absolutely ape they'll go crazy See if you can get the inside scoop on when that would happen. Right. And we now that be you're there, Michelle. I know. Now Thank that you. you guys are tight. Yeah. Oh yeah. We're BFFs now. Um so yeah, go go check it out if if you haven't when you're in New York on Broadway. And we happen to be in New York because we're here for the ESPNW summit, the first time in New York. And they said, hey, do you want to come do a live podcast with Allison Felix? Um, yes, we do. So we got the great privilege of sitting down with, I love this woman, Allison Felix. So humble, so grounded. And her list of accomplishments is long. If you don't know who she is, she is a six-time Olympic gold medalist. A three-time silver medalist, which makes her the most decorated track and field woman in U.S. Olympic history. She also holds a record 16 world championship medals, 11 gold, three silvers, two bronze. She's also part of ESPN, the magazine's list of the 20 most dominant athletes in the last two decades. And now, to add to her list of accomplishments, she's mom to Cammie. So get comfortable listening. It's Allison Felix. Thanks for tuning in today. Today's podcast is supported by your financial ally, Ally Bank. Because if you're paying for a service, you wouldn't accept anything less than great, right, Lynn? Absolutely. Things like gyms, personal trainers, physical therapists, uh, shin guards shin in your guards, case. Right? We research everything we until sure we do. find the best. Shouldn't we do the same with our banks? We tend to stay with whatever bank we've had forever, not questioning it, often putting up with subpar service, low rates, but better is out there. Ally knows you deserve better, and their mission is to be just that. Julie, it's in the name. They're an ally for your financial well-being. I get it. With Ally, you'll get interest rates up to 20 times the national average and live customer care. And get this, Julie, on average, women, we are paid 20% less than men, and therefore, we really do have to be even smarter about where we put our money. Money means having options to do things like start a business, quit your job, start a family, retire the way you want, or leave a legacy. And when you call Ally, you can chat with a real person 24-7, even on bank holidays, weekends, or during halftime if you need a little financial pep talk. They won't try to confuse you with fancy jargon, and you won't get nutmeg by hidden fees. The team at Ally actually cares about doing right by you and your money. And I think as women... 
We don't talk about this enough, honestly. We should be paying attention to our money and where we put it. It's called money mindfulness. So go to ally.com to find out more. That's A-L-L-Y.com. Ally Bank, member FDIC. Also check out another great ESPN podcast, Caught Offside, which is all about the beautiful game. Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney break down the latest from the soccer world, everything from the U.S. team and English Premier League to the UEFA Champions League. That's Caught Offside. Be sure to give them a listen. Kick back, relax, and unwind. Let's have a good time finding the joy in life. We're smiling so bright, talking and laughing combined. Feeling alright, get comfortable listening. It's laughter permitted. Rewind, if you would, to June of 2018. You're racing in Poland and France, I believe. You're you're in Europe, and your times are coming in a little bit slower than normal. Yes. What's happening at this moment? Yeah, so I knew that I was pregnant, but um, nobody else knew, and I... <laughs> Minor detail. Yeah, but I was like, you know, this is coming off of, like, Serena, you know, being her amazing self, and I was like... I think I can do this. Like, I think I can get by, like, I, I was totally delusional of how far I could keep competing. And um, so I was kind of around that time that I was like, I don't think I'm going to be able to do this this much, uh, too much longer. So I think I made it about a month after that. Um, how, how many months in were you? Um, I think I made, I stopped competing around four. I think that was the the end. <laughs> wow. It was challenging. <laughs> you competed until you were four months pregnant. Yeah, I think that was, that's when I stopped. <laughs> I remember running pregnant at like three weeks and going, <laughs> that really hurts. <laughs> and by down here, that's what I'm, uh, that really hurts. It was definitely different. <laughs> it was different. But I just, I became so exhausted. I was just, I continued to train, but competing, it just, it wasn't happening. <laughs> okay, so you stop running at four months. You're doing your checkups, and then about at about seven months, you go into one of your checkups. Yeah. Right. So I went in um, at 32 weeks. I went into just what was a normal appointment, and um, I was really excited because I was just kind of getting ready to feel confident enough to kind of share my news with the world. And I literally, like that same day, I was gonna have a photo shoot and like do this whole thing where I was going to kind of like talk about what I had been going through. And so went into the appointment and um, there was some issues going on and they wanted to monitor me and um, they sent me over to the hospital and literally I didn't come home. I delivered the next day. And so it just threw me into, you know, I had, I had my birth plan. Like I wanted this complete, like natural experience. Like I had the, the room was picked out, like the whole deal. Right. And everything just changed, you know, and everyone had told me that like, you know, you, you have your birth plan and it's not going to go according to plan. Um, and it didn't, everything was different. It was really, really scary at that point, you know, to be 32 weeks and being like, okay, you're about to have a baby. I wasn't prepared. Like my classes were supposed to start the next day. Like, <laughs> you're like, I'm so, sorry, I need to do my classes. You know, first. I'm like, I'm not prepared. <laughs> but, um, you know, thankfully everything worked out and she was healthy. We spent uh, about a month in the NICU, um, mm. which was really, really challenging for sure. Um, but I'm just, you know, I was just grateful that 
uh, she didn't have any major issues and we were able to come home. Yeah. Cammy was born in November 2018, three pounds, seven ounces, yes. right? Yeah, three pounds. She's seven. here actually today she is as well. Somewhere. <laughs> Where is Cammy? Is she in the back with Hanging Wes? Out. Yeah, with Uncle Bro- <laughs> uh, no, Uncle Wes. Bless yeah. him as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when you're at that checkup, what is the doctor saying to you? Oh, yeah. It's my baby. Um, <laughs> um, so she was just talking about some of the issues that were going on. And she was very calm. And so I actually, when she told me that I needed to go over to the hospital, I was like, well, I have this photo shoot. So can I do that first? And then I'll get over. And she was like, no, actually, this is more serious. Um, and so they were just kind of explaining to me what was going on. And, um, you know, they were going to try to get me to at least 34 weeks and stay in the hospital and all of that. But um, had kind of a, a rough night, my first night there, and so it just didn't happen. But, um, yeah, thankfully I was in really good hands. What is that like when everything is going according to plan and well, and then yeah. in one moment your life is turned upside down? It's so crazy because I felt like I had this really easy pregnancy. Like everything was going well. I was training well. I wasn't having any problems. I felt like I was able to do everything that I wanted to, you know, and um, it changed in an instant. And it was just so scary. You know, I'm an athlete. I'm a planner. I'm healthy. Like I do things the way I'm supposed to do. And so it just like shook up my world, you know, mm-hmm. to now be in this situation where I have no control and I don't do well <laughs> with not having control. Um, and just really relying on my faith and um, kind of stepping back from like sport. I think sport has controlled my life for so long, even when thinking of having a family. You know, I think I've, I've prioritized it so much that it is, you know, at times consumed me. And so it was kind of this wake-up call that, you know, this is real life. Um, this is, you know, this is your daughter, this is your family, and this is what's important. So I kind of just went into my bubble at that point, and I was literally at the hospital with her, you know, around the clock, and um, just seeing her just being this amazing little fighter and um, just, you know, just being so strong, um, just really, you know, encouraged and uplifted me as well, just spending my days in there and really showed me, you know, what's important. Yeah. And when you're at a NICU, I was, uh, I have a friend who's uh, a doctor with mm. a NICU unit in Milwaukee and you see these babies yeah. hooked up to all these machines yeah. and wires and you're seeing them to your point fighting. Yeah. It's, it's a really heavy place to be in. You know, every day there's something going on and, you know, you get to know the people who are around you and um, you don't know if someone's having a good day or if they're not or how their child is doing. And I remember this one day I'm sitting in the room with my daughter and, you know, trying to wait for the doctors to come on rounds and seeing what's going on with her. And I just hear this piercing, like, scream. And you just know that, like, something so awful has happened. And it's constantly things like that are happening. And so you might have a good day, and then you might see someone else who's going through something really tough. And it's just a a range of emotions to to go through. What did you learn about yourself in this process? Um, That I'm really strong. Um, You know, that I'm that I can deal with adversity, you know, and I'm capable to, when things don't go as planned, that that's okay, you know, that it's okay 
to not be okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay to feel like you're falling apart and not to have it all together. I think like for so long, I've felt like I've had to have it all together, you know, have to be this perfect like individual and image and all of these things. And it's like, no, that's not, you know, we're all trying to make it and, um, and do the best that we can. And like, that's where I am. I'm just trying to do the best that I can. You, you are pretty perfect, by the way. <laughs> Far from it. <laughs> Far from it. How hard is that to let go of, though? Because y- you came from an environment where you said you wanted to control things. Mm-hmm. You're the most decorated female in U.S. Olympic history in track and field. I mean, you have all these accolades, all these things, and then your world is turned upside down. When you even, you even said that, you your Instagram feed, you put certain pictures up to mm. kind of you know keep that on brand, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's challenging because, I mean, as a female athlete, I think that you do have to kind of have it all together. You know, you feel like you do. You know, you feel like to be the most marketable, to, like, be mm-hmm. successful, you have to, like, have all these things. And it's hard to constantly, like, live like that, you know, because no one has it all together all the time. So I think it was a journey to get to that place, you know. It's definitely um, been, like, a learning process, you know, um, and just feeling, like, more comfortable with myself and who I am mm-hmm. and getting to this. I think just getting older, um, becoming a mom, and just being able to feel confident knowing that you're not always going to be together. There's so much freedom in that. There isn't is. there? <laughs> you're like, <laughs> yeah, that's very true. I, I got to that point in my probably late thirties where I was like, I honestly don't care what you think, <laughs> <laughs> but there is yeah. such freedom in letting go of that. It is. You're completely right. You know, it's kind of just like a burden lifted, you know, just to be your authentic self. And it's not for everybody. You know, not everybody is going to love you. And that's okay. Like, that is completely all right. You're not going to be for everybody. And I think that's something I had to come to grips with. Mm -hmm. Well, what was your mentality then beforehand? Um, I think I was a people pleaser. Like, I just would say yes to more than I could handle. Um, I just, I don't know, I, I just wanted to, like, tick all the boxes. And, you know, I'm the daughter of a pastor and an educator. And, you know, just feeling like you can never mess up. And, you know, it's just, it's constantly being on and all those things. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I think a lot of us can relate to that idea of wanting to present ourselves in a way where we don't have any warts. yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, one of the things we sure. always talk. And it's funny because in all these conversations we've been having, that's a common thread mm. with so many women. There's this feeling as a female athlete and as an elite female athlete. And the irony of it is you would think with all the accolades that come that you wouldn't feel the need, right? That's true, right? yeah. Because you've won it all. But there's this intense sense of I've I've got to be and check all the boxes. I've got to be perfect. And yeah, you feel like you have to exceed even, like, you know, what's being good, but you have to be great in, like, all the categories. You know, it's not enough just to, like, in your sport, but you feel like you just have to do it all, and it's it's challenging. <laughs> so Cammy was in NICU for a month, and how is she doing now? She's five months old She's now. five months, yeah. She's great. She's growing. She's catching up, and um, she's just so much fun. It's just like such a joy to to be a mom and um, 
yeah, and to just watch her, like all the fun things that she's into. How different though, when I had someone say to me, when you walk out that door to go to the hospital, <laughs> when you come back in, life is never going to be the same after you've had that baby. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah. So I didn't quite understand that part. Like I got, no like everyone knows. was like, you know, you're, you're never going to sleep. You're going to, but it just doesn't hit you the same until you like experience it. Um, so that has been different. <laughs> yeah. Not getting any sleep and just like, with training, it's just a lot. Yeah. It's a whole lot. How, how is that going? Um, it's, it's hard. It's the balance more than anything, you know, just trying to be like, you know, the athlete and my training and I'm like looking at the workouts and I'm thinking, man, I can't believe there was a time that literally I had to just wake up, train, take a nap and like take care of my body and do it all again. Now it's like, okay, if I can get I'm like, how do I get four hours of sleep? And then, you know, trying to work it all out. So it's definitely um, the balance of, you know, trying to do it all as an athlete and as a mother and as a wife. It's um, I'm still figuring it out. And are you okay with that? I'm okay with that. <laughs> I, I'm always trying to, um, I guess, improve at it, but I'm okay with it's. This is not something that I'm going to figure out overnight. You know, it's it's going to take some time to get the hang of it. And it's going to take a dope village as well. Oh, yeah, it already is. You know, it's, I mean, there's no way that I would be able to have the luxury, I feel, to to go back to train without, you know, everyone, my whole crew, like, supporting me and being there for me. Carrie Walsh Jennings, who you know, of Mm -hmm. course, volleyball player. She's three kids. Inspiration. Yeah, right. (laughs) She's going for her sixth Olympics. Yes. (laughs) And she was pregnant at her London Olympics, actually. Uh, And uh, and I said, Kara, how are you managing? And she goes, my village is dope. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. That's what I said. I said, my village is dope. So uh, that's what we always talk about, the, the dope village, because it sure does, boy. You're, you need it hands-on. Hands can't, can't do it alone, that's uh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, there was some recent big news in the track and field world, which, uh, just to give a little context that you all probably heard about, but if you didn't, and especially for some of our listeners who don't follow sports as closely, uh, the court of arbitration for sport ruled recently that Caster Semenya, who's a two-time Olympic gold medalist, you know well, uh, Allison, in, she was in the 800 meters, she will have to take medications that suppress her testosterone levels to continue competing, right? <laughs> Caster has uh, had appealed to the court, challenging this controversial International Association of Athletics Federation ruling, but she lost on a two-to-one ruling by the, the court of arbitration, arbitration for sport. So... Meaning that females who produce a naturally occurring higher level of testosterone are going to have to take medication to suppress that. And she has said, hell no, mm-hmm. I'm not doing that. Uh, what was your reaction to the news? I guess I've been disappointed from the beginning of just how everything has been handled. I just think that it's not okay. Um you know, I stand with Castor. She's a friend of mine. And I just think that no one should have to go through what she has had to go through, and not just in this moment, like from the beginning of when she started competing, you know. And so I think it's a very, very complex issue. I, I do think that it is. But I just think that it has been 
mishandled from the start. Yeah. We, we did a story on this for Outside the Lines. I did a story on this 10 years ago. She's been dealing with this for 10 yeah. years now. And the thing that stood out the most to me is what you quickly realize when you start to dive into this complex issue is that gender is not binary. Mm. It's not as easy as saying, yeah. you know, here's the line in the sand and on this side is female and on this side is male. Yeah. And especially with naturally occurring differences, you could make the argument, well, he's got a genetic variance that causes him to be too tall. Mm-hmm. And how do you, you know, account for that? Or Michael Phelps with his, his arm span. Mm-hmm. So how do you get to a place that seems fair? Cause, you know, it's fairness in sport as well as what they're talking about. Yeah. I think it's, I mean, I think that there has to be something, well, there should have already been something in place, you know, when you're dealing with, um, <clears throat> with athletes with differences or intersex athletes, um, I don't know, it's challenging, you know, and I'm, you know, glad that I'm not the ones making the calls, but I think that, you know, we're talking about human beings, you know, this is a person and to have to, all of this to play out the way that it has, I just, you know, it makes me cringe to think of her, like, dealing with this, you know? And like you Mm -hmm. said, this has been for 10 years now. I mean, Mm -hmm. um, I just feel like there could have, there, there is a better way. Yeah. Especially if you've, you've grown up being raised as a girl. Yes. Right? And and as a woman, and then all of a sudden it's, uh, you know, no, you're not. Or, or maybe you're, you're too, too Mm -hmm. manly. It's, uh, it's a it's a topic that will definitely get a lot more attention. Uh, back to your training, though, you're going for your fifth Olympics. I am. Think about that. Yeah. I vow to you. Yeah. Fifth Olympics. Yeah, some days I think I'm crazy. <laughs> like, do I really want to do this? No, but um, it's. I mean, it's a joy to wake up and to still like be passionate about what I love and get to do it every day. And, um, and yeah, I, I want to go for this last one and just enjoy the whole ride. I, I honestly don't know how you do it in track and field. I have such immense respect because it's the difference as you have lived of 0.01 seconds yes. or a friggin' forehead, right? Have a woman yeah. diving over a line. Yeah. Four years you're training and it's like literally, you know, that much is the difference uh, between a gold medal or no medal or gold and silver. And it's just, it's, it's also a lot. <laughs> it's, yeah. But at the same time, I completely love it. It's, um, you know, it's what I love to do, and I'm super passionate about it. How do you handle that, though, in those moments? Because I would not handle them as gracefully as you do. <laughs> I would be like, really? Come I, on, people. I usually try to at least, like, make it off of the track before I have, like, a meltdown or something. <laughs> because it's so hard. I mean, it's like you said, you know, you're, you've trained for so long for this moment. And then it's the fact that you have to wait, like, another four years to get another opportunity. And so, yeah, I've had some crushing moments, um, for sure. A lot of, like, very, very close races. And I don't think there's, like, any, like, trick or secret to, like, to getting over it. You know, sometimes, uh, you know, sometimes it's absolutely devastating. And I have to step away and come back refreshed. And, you know, it just kind of depends on, like, what's happening in life and what's going on. But I, I don't think there's any easy way about it. You dedicate your life to something. And I think we can all like relate to failure and um, like missing the mark. And 
you know, trying to pick yourself up and dust yourself off and figure out, like, is this important enough to go at it again? And um, am I committed enough to do it? And what if it doesn't work out again? All of that. And so it's it's a process. How do you how do you uh, hit the reset button then in those moments? Um, it's tough. I remember in, um, in 2008, I was, um, it was the Beijing Games, and I was actually the favorite in the 200 meters. And it was the first time, like, I had the, the Olympics previously, you know, I was a teenager, and I didn't have high expectations, you know. But this Olympics was different. You know, I had sponsors. I had expectations. I had a lot that was, you know, it was riding on it. And I ended up getting second to the same person as the other Olympics. And it was just, like, so crushing. I was devastated. Um, and there wasn't anything, like, anybody could say or do to kind of help me out of that. I just had to kind of live through it. Mm. And I did. I took some time away um, and regrouped. And it goes back to kind of the, the village and your tribe. And it was mm-hmm. like my people who helped rally and get me back into it. And, you know, when, when someone else can see your potential or can see it when you can't, I think that's what really like helped me through it, you know, by um, my coach, my family saying like, no, you're going to get your, your gold. Like we can see it. Like you just have to like even just sometimes go through the motions to get through that really like tough part. And so I feel like that's what helped me really is, you know, my support system. What about when you're in the grind of training and you have to talk to yourself mm. to get motivated for a day when you might not be feeling it? What do you say to yourself? <sighs> Those are the tough days. You know, oftentimes I think of my competitors, you know, knowing that they're training um, and just like, how bad do I want it? You know, how how much are you willing to give? You know, and I always think like this could be the turning point. This could be the day that like wins you the medal. And, you know, just play tricks with your mind (laughs) pretty much. That's cool. All right. Should we move to we always close our, our segments with a Lynn game. Okay. And then most pressing questions and then high-low cheer. We'll explain all that. Lynn, what's your game? I never okay. know what the game this, is, so I'm, this game I get very one. competitive, Allison. I'm just warning, warning. <laughs> this right. game has one rule. You have to squeak in with a response. Okay. Do you want the elephant? Oh, I didn't even. Okay. Or a dog. You, or get, you dog. get to choose, Allison. Oh, this is good. Okay. <laughs> all right. Since both of you are from California, born and raised, still live there. Allison, you went to USC. Julie, I don't know where you went to school. You never mentioned it. <laughs> I never this, talk about Stanford University's in the house. Uh, this game, I have some of my Stanford friends here. This game is called California Dreaming. All questions are related to California. Oh. Here we go. Number one, this famous UCLA basketball coach created the Pyramid of Success. John Wooden! Ow! One to Julie! Zero to Allison! Oh, this is going to be great. (laughs) This is how it goes, Al! This is my only chance to be competitive in life, still. (laughs) Bring it, Lynn! Number two, multiple choice. What is the state motto? A, friendship. B, Eureka. C, Excelsior. Or D, bingo. (laughs) The state motto? It's one of those four. What happens if you get something wrong? <laughs> Do you lose the point? No. The only rule is you have to squeak in. B. <laughs> you got it! <laughs> yeah, Eureka! No way! <laughs> Audience help. Okay, one, one. Uh, three. Number, number three. Name the four NBA teams in California. Oh, she beat me for the squeak. <laughs> the Lakers, the Kings, and the Clippers. One more. Oh, you said 
Oh, um, the Warriors. Yeah, you know it. <laughs> I was going to say. Hey, Julie, what's the score over there? Um, <laughs> two to Allison, one to Julie. Is this for all the money? Uh, we have two quick, two quick more. Uh, true, or, true or false, California is the only state that has hosted both the Summer and Winter Olympics. California, I squeaked in. California, <laughs> just squeaked California in is the only state that has hosted both the Summer and Winter Olympics. True! That's true. Boom! Right, for the win, what pop star sings that California girls are unforgettable? That's a slow squeak. Was that was my Katie pop Perry. culture Katie Perry. There we go. Allison Felix with the win. What was it? <laughs> Beach Voice? The one on Most Allison pressing. won? Allison won? All right. Yeah, Most pressing questions. Dang it. It's my only chance at actually winning medals anymore. <laughs> All right, Allison, most pressing questions. Best nickname you've ever had? I guess I have to go with chicken legs. <laughs> I was chicken legs too. Really? Okay, I hated it. <laughs> but I like my chicken legs. <laughs> they work for me. <laughs> Who called you chicken legs? All of my high school friends. And then it stuck. <laughs> and it became chicken legs? Yeah. Um, why the trademark knee-high socks when you run? Oh, you know what? They're actually not socks. They're compression sleeves. I have, like, horrible shin splints, so they're actually functional. They're functional socks. Yes. Okay. Um, we did some extensive research. We learned that Allison is a total sneakerhead. Oh. Our over and under on how many pairs of sneakers you have is 200. I think that's about right. <laughs> I mean, I haven't counted. I haven't counted, but I think it, it might be a little over 200. Really? Yeah. Where do you put them? I have a sneaker room. <laughs> I have, like, my closet, then I have the, the overflow sneaker room. And Shut up! Maybe a few other closets in my house. You have a whole room for sneakers? I, I have a problem. Yeah. <laughs> it's not even a closet, it's a room? It's a room. Yeah. <laughs> Not proud of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. All right. And this is a very important one. Is a cinnamon roll a donut? No. I'm sorry, Allison. You're going to have to leave the stage. <laughs> this is a debate we've been having. Huh. Why? It doesn't have to have a hole like to be a donut. It's fried oh, dough. It's like its own thing. <laughs> own category. Lynn's with you on that. Okay, high-low cheer, our last segment. This is something uh, I do around the dinner table, we do around the dinner table, my husband and I with our kids, the high of the day when we actually have dinner together. High of the day, low of the day, and their cheer for someone that's done something nice or something that they're appreciative of. So for you, though, not of the day, your high-low cheer of your career. Oh, wow. Gosh, that's... Okay, well, the high will definitely be my daughter, Cameron. Um, Cammy! Yes, Cammy. That one's easy. The low... You guys have to see Cammy today, by the way. <laughs> she has this cute little bow on, this pink bow right here. Yeah, okay, sorry. Yeah, you'll see her roaming around. Um, the low. Gosh. Um, I guess... I don't know. I feel like there's been so many... Great moments, but no, I would say like... <laughs> I thought you were going to say so many lows. <laughs> no, I, I guess I would say like um, 
just like the different like failures, I would say, just the different times that I've like missed the mark, I guess. And I think that I've been able to like learn from all those experiences, but I would say the lows before I knew like how to learn from them, you know, before I really got that, like, you know, the journey is what it's all about. And so I say like those moments before Mm. and then, okay, what is, and then the last one is your cheer. Who you cheer for? Oh, okay. For who I'm th- oh, there's that I can go on and on for yeah. that one. We got time. Um, <laughs> um, I guess I would say someone constantly through my career. I guess Jackie Joyner Kersey mm. is someone who, to me, has just been real. You know, she has been a source of encouragement in my life, a role model. She's someone who constantly does kind things for me um, with expecting nothing in return um and she's just like the person that i can always reach out reach out to 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 help with whatever i'm going through so yeah she is a gem indeed she is as are you allison felix yeah i know i speak for the room when i say best of luck in this next journey and that fifth olympics going forward i know it's not easy thanks for the time Katy Perry. Right. I know that. I know that, Lynn. I got tight at the end. I, I kind of white knuckled it. I might have said Beach Boys. <laughs> well, they have a California. I, I wish they all could be California. Oh, I, had that. I had that in the grips. It's possible I knew I was throwing you a curveball. I know of a you knew. Uh, you're like, pop culture? Jilly's going to lose. Yeah, Allison took it. My takeaways from Allison Felix. One, how lovely is she? So lovely. So nice. And I know we say that about all these people we have who on our podcast, we only interview rad humans. That's the first prerequisite. But to hear her talk about that struggle of being in control of so many things and then all of a sudden in literally a day when she finds out I've got to ha- deliver this kid two months premature, eight weeks premature, I've or I'm going to lose my baby and I've really been wanting to have a family and my life has been turned upside down and now it doesn't matter that I have a photo shoot or anything else in my life. I don't care if I run again. I just want to have this kid. Yeah. And, uh, and to be able to share it and talk about it and then bounce back and say, I want to compete for my Olympics at 33 years old. I that's so courageous. And it's a struggle. I think that is real for a lot of people in different ways, obviously not necessarily in that way, but we all have those moments. Getting perspective for sure. Mm-hmm. That's life. So good. And I think I speak for you when we say we're very grateful for Allison and sharing her story because mm-hmm. I'm sure that there are people listening right now who can relate to it quite a bit. And she also shared about how she doesn't need to be perfect. Mm. That's Good again, reminder. something that I think a lot of us can relate to that idea of giving up on that. And I love the word that she said that I loved was being authentic, mm-hmm. being yourself and First, you have to accept who you are as a person to be your authentic self. 
self-acceptance mm-hmm. and then you can share that with the world and there is a freedom to not mm-hmm. caring what the world thinks but if you're just being yourself and you're a good person you should be good to go and when you're a massive deal <laughs> like i am it's a lot easier i think allison felix is a massive mm-hmm. deal she is a massive deal yeah. all right questions permitted segments from at kfink12 please keep your questions coming i know you're all about the donuts but what's your favorite kind of cookie kind of the hard-hitting questions we like lynn i'm going with <laughs> snickerdoodle oh unexpected gooey oh. gooey snickerdoodles Okay, that's a theme with you. Mm-hmm. The gooier, the better. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom's homemade chocolate chip cookies. Mm-hmm. Okay, can't Qu- beat that. Question two. Why com- haven't I gotten any? <laughs> we can make that happen. Chocolate chip cookies from mom. Question two from my dear friend, Christina Fusi Hein. Who have you geeked out to meet? Oh, that was easy. Yeah, was that just happened. Great timing Tina for that question. Fey. Totally. Oh, should we talk about that again? No. No, we should. Without question, we are so grateful for that last mm. night. Mm-hmm. Like attitude of gratitude up the wazoo. And, and that Tina is a woman that owns it. Mm. She's funny. She owns her humor. She does so many different platforms. Multi-talented. I have immense respect for that woman and what she's done. And one quick thing about the musical. There was a really good message in it, which was just that own own you yeah similar to what allison was saying mm-hmm. authentically you yeah it was really good all right that does it for us tina if you want to come on the podcast next just let us know my friend my bff tina Fey. that does it for us be sure to drop me a line on twitter or instagram i'm i'm at julie fowdy and hashtag it laughter permitted and i'm sorry to say this is actually our last episode of season one season one is in the books however fear not We've got some bonus episodes coming this summer for Women's World Cup. I'm off to France for the summer, and we will have a few episodes for you uh, then. And we hope to be back for season two after Women's World Cup this summer. And that's where you can help. This is where we need our dope village. Our dope village. Tell everyone you know about our podcast. Get those numbers up. Let's cut into the pie of sports podcast listeners being women it's really all about downloads for us and truly every download counts so if you can get a friend on board with this we appreciate your friends tell your family tell your neighbors tell a stranger tell anyone really why not why not we are so grateful for this dope village this has been an incredible ride so far and we hope to continue it with all of you thank you lynn for having me do this i did not think i was going to enjoy it this much and it has been so much fun a big thanks, as always, to Kate Diaz, a Julie Fatty Sports Leadership Academy alum, for our awesome theme music. Check her out and support another rad woman. And as always, remember, kids, sing it with us. Laughter permitted. And I'm a massive deal. Thanks, everyone, for taking the time to listen and to our supporters. So one last shout out to Ally. Because the fact is, only 8% of people trust their bank. Get that, 8%. And yet, most of us never bother looking elsewhere. Money means having options, and that's another fact. For example, options to start a business, quit your job, start a family, retire the way you want, or simply leave a legacy. 
Ally knows you deserve better, and their mission is to be just that. As women, I think this is something, honestly, we don't talk enough about, and we should all be paying attention to our money and where we put it. So look them up. Ask your friends. Ask your teammates. Check out the online reviews, because when it comes to your money and everything you've worked so hard for, your house, your car, your future, are you getting everything you want, or are you merely satisfied? Give Ally a call. When you call Ally, you can chat with a real person 24-7, even on weekends and holidays. For more information, visit ally.com, A-L-L-Y dot com. Ally Bank, member FDIC.